think about this question. Who are you? Not your name, but how do you define yourself? How do others define you? I bet if you're a barrister or a cardiologist, those titles would be a big part of the answer. If you're a world sports champion, you can be bet that'll be a part of how you think of yourself as well. So what happens when you stop being, say, a sporting star and you're left just plain you? Well, it's uh, sadly an all too familiar story when that question doesn't get answered properly. Just look at what's happened to poor Grant Hackett in his post-swimming life this week. But it's a story well known to Garrod Towie. He's a retired three-time Olympian and world rowing champion. And he told me the transition from elite athlete to retirement, the move from doing to being, is something all sports stars need to address. I was actually quite happy to be leaving it all behind. And in many ways, I was blessed because I was retiring on my own terms. But a year later, I started to feel the pinch a little bit in terms of not so much missing the sport, but missing that purpose and passion um, to kind of dedicate that much of your life to something requires an awful lot of love. And um, that's good and bad in, in many ways. But losing that sense of, of being you know, so connected to something um, was definitely something I missed. And then I started to do some research around, you know, reading about other athletes and what they've been through. I just saw, like, it was depressing reading. Lots of depression, addiction, and then right up to, you know, to suicide. Because since 1948, I think it's over 100 Olympians, including gold medalists, have taken their own lives. Um, the day you retire, it, you know, a line gets drawn under that. It's very easy for a lot of people to then uh, identify themselves at what they did in the past instead of what they're doing right now and what they can do in the future. So the challenge for athletes is keeping themselves in the moment and whatever they're doing right now, knowing that that has value to the outside world and what they did in the past, it was an amazing thing, but it doesn't define who they are for the rest of their lives because a lot of athletes retire at the age of 25, 30. They have another 60 years of their life left. Garrett Towie, champion Irish rower, now an Aussie. We're lucky to have him. He started this group called Crossing the Line. Great uh, title. It's run by athletes, for athletes at all levels to help them cross the line, so to speak, into retirement. And on Saturday, 25th of February, they're having a live streamed summit from Sydney, crossingthelinesport.com. Crossingthelinesport.com. Uh, there'll be swim star Daniel Kowalski, ABC sports legend Tracy Holmes, and a hookup to the US diving sensation Greg Laganis. Rami, he's got his head on his shoulders. Very indeed, and I was impressed because this is the core of Hindu philosophy that's being expanded here. There are three questions to ask. Who am I? What am I doing here? And what do I do next? From a Hindu perspective, the ontological problem is not sin, as it would be for Justine and most Christians and others. For us, it's ignorance of who we really are. We identify ourselves with our bodies, with our activities, with our relatives, with our roles. What challenge does that present to you as a priest? Someone comes up to you and says, who am I? And, I mean, you can't say, I don't, I don't know, but then you wouldn't know because of you're not I, him. So I tell them the right answer. You are not the body. The body is a vehicle. You are not your thoughts. You are not your mind. You are a spark of divine consciousness, being, consciousness, bliss, absolute that is having a human experience. Justine. Mm. So similar in some ways, but so different in others. I would say that a human, first and foremost, is made in the image of God. God has given his image to humans, and that is what gives them um, untold value and immeasurable worth. But what is the image of God as the body? It's the soul. Isn't that the word? 
A soul is something you have. So when a Westerner dies, they give up the ghost. When a Hindu dies, they give up the body. So there's two different perspectives. Dogs don't go to heaven. But for us, they're sentient beings. And the presence of any kind of sentience indicates the presence of a spark of the divine. See, this is the exact problem that Christians would have because, like, what about someone in a coma? What about someone who's been in a car crash and what about can't amoeba? No f- is amoeba divine, mono-celled life? Well, we're panentheistic, which means that our concept of God is the entire universe with all its 200 billion galaxies. Yes. The totality of being is what we call God. And can I just take it back to a challenge of uh, are you what you are or are you what you do? Because, um, Justine, you know, when you stayed at home to have your kids, you suddenly stopped being this scholar, Dr. Toe, and people used to start considering you somewhat differently. Tell me about that. Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, people would, you know, you'd have, be having a conversation and then sooner or later the inevitable question, you're Justine, what do you do? And then I would just get to a point where I would see for how much, how long I could avoid the question because I knew what was going to come. That people would be like, ah, glaze, look over the eyes, walk away. And it just made me think about how many people and many groups in our society who find themselves on this side of the equation and they aren't valued in the way that they should be. And when we try and link um, our worth with what we do, then we run into huge problems done some reading around euthanasia and a lot of the time you hear this phrase come up, I don't want to be a burden on other people, which it's like, oh my gosh, you're you're dealing with a a life-threatening illness and you're seeing yourself in terms of a drain. I'm sure I would feel like that at some point, but then if I think of someone that I love dearly, I would not want them to think of themselves in such terms. And society puts that pressure on us, which is why I want you to take a listen to this. It's about women talking about the pressure they're under to meet other people's expectations of who they should be. Listen closely, Justin, because I want your reaction in particular. Pressure to be the perfect mother, the perfect wife, the perfect friend. Pressure to be successful, a boss, a leader. Being lost in the moment. Being at peace with the world. Believe me, if I were a young woman now, I'd spend more time being, not doing. Does that strike a chord with you, Justine? Oh, yeah, far out. Speaking to all women of my generation, effort, 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 pressure, 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 do, do, do. Well, then you will love the fact that we got that audio from Sanctuary.com, which is an online beauty product site. They sell air whips, shower souffle, which I bought only to find out it was something completely different. Yeah, right. They have body scrubs, cleansers, and a product range called Hand and Foot, which sounds weirdly close to foot and mouth disease. And I'm sorry for doing that to you, but there is a point... You're looking at me like I'm a bastard. Well, it's well, I'm I'm annoyed that marketing has reached such a point that they'll appropriate this sort of very real issue with huge life and death consequences. You know, I've just spoke about euthanasia. I could talk about you know screening for genetic abnormalities and how if you know in the womb you're found that you have an extra chromosome that declares that you know maybe this is not going to work out. Then you know we're going to. Pull the plug, basically. But didn't you hit the nail on the head just there to say, yes, it's the advertisers who did cleverly appropriate it because there is something there. It's just that it's not considered. Well, we don't talk about it because we have, we're all invested in the market society, which encourages us to always link our worth with our capacity to be productive, to be efficient, to to do, which then consigns whole groups of society, mothers, people with disabilities, people who struggle with chronic illness, 
to, you know, irrelevance. And I don't think that that's the kind of society that we want to live in. Um, Rami, I want to ask you, there was this fabulous book by Elizabeth Weinhausen, the late great journalist. She spent a year of her life working on minimum wage and wrote the book about her experience, Dirt Cheap, Life at the Wrong End of the Job Market. When she began, her biggest fear was that she'd be recognised by her old elite workplace friends, an awkward moment. What did happen, she needn't have worried. She did see people from her old workplace cleaning up after them and serving them. They didn't recognise her because as a cleaner, she was invisible. Now, what does that say to you? Well, servants and uh, low-paid workers have always been invisible. That's Uh, just a statement of fact. But... We like to think we're better than that. Well, we're not. There's reality and there's the ideal. There's there's sin in a nutshell. We like to think we're better than that, but we're not. People are monofocused. They're focused on their own interests. And this is, again, solipsism, that people see themselves as the centre of the universe and they're walking around and everything applies to them. Sin, you're preaching it far out. We don't believe in sin. But But what you're saying is actually very sensible within, you know, an economy of sin. Uh, well, if you want to call it sin, it's, uh, for us, sin is uh, causing harm and suffering to another living being. Well, what causes would be, would harm and suffering too? apart from... Being, well, the, living in a self-centred universe. Well, the way you treat cleaners like... Well, there's suffering that you cause through neglect. The fact that uh, I, for example, worship idols causes a lot of people great heartache. No, but we're talking about the, but, pra- the practical neglect <clears throat> of, of, of discounting people in society for no other reason than their station and not recognising their inherent value as human beings. Isn't that the right? Well, right? I, th- yeah. I think this is a, a human problem. It's not something that you're going to rectify. People have always done it. They always will. You know, I, I hear a, a sense of fatalism in some ways in what you're saying, that that's how people are. You know, religion tries to lift the bar, but, you know, we have to work with who we've got. Is that part of a Hindu way of understanding the world? Absolutely. Yeah, but I don't want to live in that world, man. I'm sorry, you're you're a lovely brother, but I don't want to live in that world. Hey, sister, you can change the world, but if you want to, but you have to be the change you want to see in the world. You can live as an example to others. She can or she can't change the world? Well, she can only change the world through changing herself. Through example, you mean, and by living the way. You have to live the life of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You have to be him to get people to change because people will see you as a role model and they're going to change. But you can't go around preaching to people and say, hey, you need to treat people better. I agree with you. Absolutely. This is this is how I guess the church sees itself as God's people. We need to show people what God is like, right? And they'll only know that through the way that we we treat um, people and by example. That's right. So for us, it's self-realisation. You've got to do work on yourself. You've got to actually transform yourself. And that's what Hindu spiritual practice is all about, is personal transformation. I think it's important to note that human striving is one thing, but it's so far to get up there. You know, the only way that we can actually have a hope of doing anything is God coming down and revealing himself to us. So but That's because you've is- established the tyranny of the ideal. And so, yes, your, your religion is basically theocentric, whereas ours is anthropocentric. We start with a human condition and what can the human do? And the human can transform themselves without intervention of a God. Can transform themselves? You can bring about personal transformation without the intervention of any deity. Does that personal intervention, oh, sorry, does that personal transformation, can that be communal in nature or it's just that you need to self-realise and there's no community realising? I self-realised that I'd transformed myself from overweight to very overweight. Yeah, that's good. So now what are you going to do about it? I'm not sure you're taking this seriously, James. No, I am. But, <laughs> but that, that's where it starts. And so you look in a mirror and you say, I'm overweight. I'm going to do something about it. Move more, eat less. Mirror's broken. God forbid. <laughs>